I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. together a pop culture academic symposium mm-hmm. we're the pop culture professors smart people dumb topics that's right i'm lauren berkman i'm caitlin Bitsagai. and somehow listeners we're still allowed in classrooms it's <laughs> true we're still teaching and we're still doing pop culture both never stop both. Never, never stop, stop. you know this show is all about standing mm-hmm. and i feel like i've never been more steeped in stan yeah. than I am at this moment. We need moment. to get right into it as far as your stan of the week because it's it's becoming the stan of your life. 
It's becoming this. I'm like, and I'm not well, obviously. I'll go ahead and out myself. I was fully convinced that this recording started at 6.30. It, in fact, was supposed to start at 6. So I split the difference, logged in at 6.15. But I think it's because I am just not back in my body yet after last night. And if you're wondering, what happened to Lauren last night? Well, stands, stands. I saw Harry Styles live. Okay. And that was, I thought I was ready for it, but like I was listening to 20,000 people of all gender expressions and identities just screaming for this, Mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. icon all night. And truly like 20,000 voices just coming together. I, his mic was down more than it was up because he was just like, I don't have to sing because y'all are singing for me. Um, It was one of the most beautiful evenings of stand-up I've ever seen from the outfits to the dancing. Also, the style stands, they love to compliment everyone. I've never heard so many people stop others, stop strangers to give them compliments before. Wow. Sounds magical. It was magical. I'm not back in my body yet. I'm somewhere on 8th Avenue. Oh, wow. Yeah. Very specific. Somewhere on 8th. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What was the best song? Oh, well, I am I love the song Kiwi, and it was the closer, and that had a special energy wow. to it. I love that. There's also something about 20,000 people screaming, it's none of your business. Mm-hmm. That was really special. Empowering. Love it. Mm-hmm. But there was a, a bad song. And also, Jenny Lewis was an excellent opening act. We love it. Beverly love Hills, Jenny. what a thrill is what I say. Well... <laughs> Here's the, also the weirdest thing, and I, I I knew in the moment it was happening that I was going to tell you this story today, but as soon as Jenny Lewis ended last night, this woman turned around and goes, do you all like that band? And I immediately was like, where's this going to go? What's going to happen? And I was like, yeah, I've, I've liked Jenny Lewis since I was a teenager. I, I really like her. And she goes, well, you see this empty seat next to me? And I was like, yeah. She goes... That's the keyboardist's mother's seat. And she goes, my friend's a nurse. And she couldn't find her damn vaccine card. She missed her whole son's act. And I felt so bad for this woman. But here's the best part, though. The woman finally shows up in time to see Harry. She's got a feather boa. I don't think she cared one lick that she missed her son playing keyboard. She was there for Harry. That was what she was there for. And this woman had the best night of her life. I had so much fun watching this lady dance with her feather boa, even though she was an hour and a half late because she couldn't find her vaccine card. <laughs> oh, well, moms, we got to get the we got to get the app. We got to get the app. <laughs> the best part, though, was her friend being like, this woman's a nurse. She's on the phone with the CDC because she can't find her card. And I was like, I just love that we're all just here and connecting and sharing and getting to know each other. It felt like camp. I you love, know? I love it. I love that And that's what I love. So sorry. I'm so sorry. But Caitlin, what are you standing this week? You know, this is so funny. You know, we had different weeks. And, you know, being a professor, mm-hmm. it involves work in the field, which is what you did. Yeah. And work mm-hmm, in the archives, mm-hmm. which is what I did. Yeah. And I went to YouTube.com. Okay. And it, it's fitting because this week we have the return of HBO's mega hit succession. And mm-hmm. I would like to highlight one of Brian Cox's lesser known shows. <laughs> it is on YouTube. There are nine episodes. It is a Scottish sitcom called Bob Servant. It is about a man who owns a cheeseburger um, food truck who runs for office in Scotland. And it is the funniest thing I've ever seen. It's amazing. He's basically just doing Logan Roy, but Logan Roy Mm. is a cheeseburger guy running for office. And it's like, well, now it's a comedy. (laughs) And it just works. Love it. Love British sitcoms. 
love that British actors know they're good. So they're just like, I'm willing to do this. This may be stupid, mm-hmm. but I'm going to try it. And I don't care. I yeah. have no ego. Uh, Brian Cox is a king. Bob Servant is the show. It's on YouTube. Oh. It was originally on, like, BBC Scotland 4. Like, they had no respect for this man. But it doesn't matter. It's hilarious. Check it out, everybody. Into it. Into it. I'm into that almost as much as I'm into this week's guest. Yeah. And that's how good Bob Servant is. Because our guest is the one and only Letitia DiVenuto. Yo, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome, Letitia. I can't believe I'm here with the pop culture professors. (laughs) (laughs) We can't believe this is happening for you. Um, This is huge for everyone. It really is huge for me, though, because we were saying this before we started recording, but Letitia is a a huge stand stand on our Instagram account, and I talked to her more than most members of my family, but we've never seen each other (laughs) in real time, and this is really exciting for me yeah this is like the first time i've met lauren but i feel like we we literally talk every single day on the (laughs) dms so i'm like (laughs) i'm like okay best friends already great action i love it (laughs) well that's why we know that we're in great hands and we're gonna be talking about something that we we couldn't do with a guest that we didn't just have the utmost trust and faith in. And that's why today we're talking about coming of age in the 90s. We know Letitia is the director and filmmaker behind Chocolate Milk. It's a short film about coming of age and we can't wait to see it. But until then, we're just gonna reminisce about our coming of age oh, yes. <laughs> in the 90s. 90s. Now, you know, personally, I feel like I have the credentials to speak on this because I was alive for the entire decade of the Mm -hmm, 90s, mm -hmm. of the 1990s, I should say. Okay, good. (laughs) 1890, 1890? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought I should clarify in case anyone was wondering. I know (laughs) some people have had questions. You know, so I was ages 4 to 13 in the 90s, and I feel like that was coming of age Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. True that. Yeah. Um, Similarly, I was alive for the whole 90s, and for eight of those years, I was subscribing to Seventeen magazine. So I was getting direct reports about pop culture and about life and about beauty and health every month, devouring (laughs) it. I love it. I was born in 1990. In May, so I only missed five months of the 90s. Not much happened. Nothing. I didn't miss anything major. And so my earliest memories, actually, like in terms of pop culture... Probably when mm-hmm. I was like, actually, I was probably four. The first yeah. thing I I vividly remember was always seeing pictures of John Benet Ramsey, like on those. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm so serious. But like literally, I can like that's like one of my first memories is like seeing her face everywhere and me being like, "Yo, ma, like, what is up with like why is this little kid like on all these magazines?" And you, usually it's like someone famous that like I've heard of. And she's like, yeah. well, something bad happened and, you know, they're just trying to figure it out. And, I, you know, of course, like to a four or five year old child, that's all you can really say without terrifying uh, them. But yeah, I, I sure. that's like my first memory. And then after that, like in terms of like actual pop culture, I would have to say mm-hmm. like Titanic is like because mm-hmm. it was everywhere, like every every magazine, every teacher was talking about it. All kids were talk- like I was in second grade when it came yeah. out. And so like. We all, like, were allowed to see it, but had to, like, close our eyes or leave Mm -hmm, the room mm -hmm. for certain scenes. And so at recess, we literally would play 
um, I'll never let go. And the girls would like make the boys go down the slide and like we would hold their hands and be like, I'll never let go. Bye. And then like drop them down the slide. Like we were so savage, but that like that's what a seven year old does. I love that. Wow. I I remember getting the the permission to buy Titanic on VHS. Nice. But it was so long. It had more than one tape, love so it. it was like love a two tape. so big. It was like a big box thing with their faces on it. Love a two tape. I, I had that too. And um, I also remember Rugrats. Oh my God. Like Rugrats was the jam. <gasps> Rugrats. <Yeah. laughs> and the Rugrats little chicken tenders at Burger oh King. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I remember that. Uh, and I remember when the Rugrats movie came out, that was at a time when I was finally, I was just at that age where I was like allowed to be dropped off at the movie theater nice. to see it. Nice. So I saw that with a friend without yeah. any parents. Ooh. So I remember the Rugrats movie being a big deal, you know. That is a big pretty deal. cool. Yeah. Bought my own popcorn and everything that day. <laughs> remember when movies were like, the tickets were like, Two bucks. Like, I think that's oh, yeah. how there much the, they were. There was the whole dollar theater. There was an entire building dedicated to one dollar And, movie. like, the popcorn was cheap, too. Like, I remember popcorn only being, like, two or three dollars as well. Like, I remember always saying, like, why is the popcorn the same cost as the ticket? And, like, wondering, like, yeah. why the ticket wasn't more expensive. And then all of a sudden, like, maybe 2010, it just was, like, psh, explode. No longer five dollar. It's it's insanity. It cost a hundred dollars to go. Like, I went with my mom and my brother to Cruella, and that cost us, like, a hundred bucks. Like yeah. literally. Yeah. You had to refinance like a lot of loans because right. of Corolla. Literally. <laughs> if anyone is living in like the New York area and does not have AMC A list, mm-hmm. I don't know what you're doing no. because if you go to the movies once a month, it basically pays for itself. Like like see one or two movies a month and it pays for itself because it's so expensive here in New York. It's crazy. All right. Well, obviously, obviously, Leticia, you are knowledgeable individual uh, when it comes to pop culture and though you were born right on the right on the brink you are a 90s kid so i'm gonna put your test of pop culture and specifically 90s pop culture to the test with a little name that tune but it's not it's not music we're gonna be listening to i'm gonna be playing you some sounds of childhood oh gosh I hope I do not. And I'm gonna see if you can identify what these sounds are. (laughs) Are you ready for the challenge? I'm ready. All right, here we go. A ringtone. Duh. Yes, it is a ringtone. Do you know what kind of ringtone it is? Um so I feel like I had this, but I don't remember specifically what. It was called. It was the Nokia oh, cell phone. Remember, it had the different plates, with the, the different like the, the mix and match mm-hmm. colors. Oh and my it gosh. had like that like little like antenna at the top. Antenna, yeah. And you can okay. play. Sna- and Snake was like the only game on it. Only game. And if you were me, then you shared one Nokia phone with your mom until you turned 16. <laughs> for the for my 8th grade and ninth grade years, I think my parents didn't get, I think they got their first cell phones when I was in like 7th or 8th grade and for like 2 years, my mom and I shared a cell phone and I only was allowed to have it if I was going somewhere without them. So I right? didn't get a cell phone until I was well, I didn't get a cell phone until I was 14 and mm-hmm. 
but all like a lot of my friends got them when they were like 10 or 11 but i like they were like you're always with someone yep. so you can just use theirs like they're like we're yep. not paying for yeah. you <laughs> we're not paying for you to have this I didn't get a cell phone until I was driving. And the only reason I got Same. one was because I lived in Oklahoma and my parents were like, sometimes things happen and you're in the middle of nowhere. True. <laughs> All right. Well, you knew that was a ringtone. So points to you. Let's see <laughs> if you can clock what this next sound is. <laughs> oh, is that? It's not the scary movie laugh, is it? No, I did think about including that. I almost included that. There's a logic there. I need a hint. I need, I'm going for a lifeline. It is a cartoon. It is a character's laugh. It's an iconic 90s duo. Beavis and Butthead? Yeah. <laughs> so, I, okay, so here's where I fail because I actually never watched that show ever. Oh, neither did I. I don't know if I've ever seen an entire episode, but I that laugh, I promise you on my deathbed, I will be able to I will hear that <laughs> laughter in my head because I feel like it permeated so much of 90s yeah. culture. This is where you guys are younger than me because I loved Beavis and Butthead. I mean, we <laughs> watched it. We could not wait for the movie to come out, Beavis and Butthead yeah. to America, which did have Cher. So please respect. Yeah. I was a huge Daria fan, which right. we only have Daria because of Beavis and Butthead. Right. But I just, I liked Daria in a way that I never sure. quite got on board with Beavis with. All right. You're doing great. Here's another sound that truly defined it. My essence. <laughs> oh, AOL Instant Messenger. Get out of here. I'm good yes! on that one. I knew that one. It really and... sounds like a horror film, too. <laughs> it does. These all sound like sound bits from Scream. Like, they literally all do. <laughs> well, you sort of already put together the pieces, but I was like, oh, my God, our childhoods were terrifying. They were horrifying. <laughs> like, actually. These sounds are all menacing. Do you remember that weird dancing baby, like, yes, from Alan thing? McPhail. Like, what? Yeah. Like, dancing baby. So creepy. Like, everything is so freaky in, in the 90s. Well, talking about... Talk about freaky 90s. Let's see if this brings back any repressed memories. Hi there. Faith here. You're watching Eureka's Castle. Do you know what that's from? Hi there. Faith here. <laughs> Nick Jr. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. That... The face on Nick Jr. was a sign that you had been watching TV for too long because, like, if if fa if Nick Jr. came on, it was like, I how did I stay up all night? Like, I why is Nick Jr. I loved face, and I love that like they would change faces color. Like you didn't know what to expect. Like sometimes he was yeah. green, sometimes blue, sometimes yeah. purple, orange. Like I love face, and I think face started and at five a.m. I think right. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. This mm -hmm. is, like, so generational because I hated Nick Jr. Because I was like, when is Nick coming on? I'm not a baby. <laughs> I, I am a kid. I need to be watching Clarissa. I just... Clarissa! When, is this when is this preschool stuff going to be done? <laughs> I'm eight years old. I want to watch... I'm eight years old. I want to watch Clarissa. I want to watch Secret Life of Alex Mack. That's what I want. Not face. <laughs> I'm and I'm right firmly in between you two because I thought Face was adorable and I do remember Eureka's Castle. It slapped, <laughs> but then I do remember quickly getting over Nick Jr. being like, "Ugh." All right. Well, we're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep it wholesome with this next clip. Can you name that childhood sound? Um, 
So I recognize it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I want to say it's from a game. No, but I get why you think that. I'm like, I'm remembering it, but not 100%. This might have been, again, before my like full recollection. Full recollection memory. That's fair enough. This one's a pretty specific one, but it is the... <laughs> I don't even know what you call it. The bumper for Walt Disney Home Video. What? It also sounded terrifying to me. All of these sounds seem like horror films. <laughs> it was what you would see. And I remember particularly, I associate that sound with like the Disney sing-along tapes. Oh, that, yeah. That, those videos were like very important And those to cassettes me. too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I loved Walt Disney Home Videos. So I have, I had a bunch of, I actually have the VHSs still, like they're in my garage yeah. right now. And now I want to, like, play one and see if it's there. Because I'm like, how did I not? Like, I feel like that's something I should, like, 100% remember. And I don't. Check it out. I feel like part of it, though, when I was going down this rabbit hole of 90 sounds, I feel like it's because they had different imprints. So, like, depended mm. on, like, where you, what videos you got. I think that's, yeah. True. Because I think this was for when they were intended to be released at home. Not necessarily, like, uh, had been in the theaters. In the theater. So it wasn't oh. for, like, Lion King and, and Snow I think White. so. I was trying to find a, a, a definite answer, and I couldn't find conclusive proof. But I associate this with stuff that I never saw in the movie theater. Mm, so I think that might be. I think. All right. I have one final sound for you, and it is definitely in theme with everything being terrifying. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Hungry. Um, so, okay, this is not going to be the right answer, but it sounds like during Halloween, like, my mom used to put up, like, this weird, like, skeleton thing, and so, like, when kids came, like, it would sense you walking by, and it would literally make that exact same sound. Which I'm sure is the same technology being used with this particular Mm -hmm, object. mm -hmm. It's an Mm -hmm. object. Mm -hmm. So a toy. It was a coveted toy in the 90s. I like had that doll um, and you would like, you would feed it, right? Like it had like, do you know what I'm talking about? You're close. I know what you're talking about, but this this particular toy was a creature, not a doll. A creature, not a doll. Ah, (laughs) Mm -hmm. We are just basically Mm -hmm. saying the 90s was horror. The 90s is literally, and Goosebumps was like the jam in the 90s. Yeah. There we go too. I'm basically, I'm hoping that anyone that, you know, for our younger listeners, I hope now you understand why we are the way we are. We survived (laughs) a lot of trauma. A lot of trauma. Okay, what is this gremlin toy? It is a Furby, which is basically Furby! a gremlin. <laughs> okay, so fun fact. Uh, again, mm-hmm. I literally did not have Furby. I, I didn't have one either. Have one either. I did not. I don't know why. I just like everyone. I was into like the Tamagotchis and stuff. I, I yep. couldn't stand Furby. I had a bunch of Beanie Babies though. I had so many Beanie Babies. A big part of my personality, I feel like, was defined by not having a Furby. Not having, th- yeah. I never had like, one. I, I never had one either, and I'm with you. I was not a stan, but I sure do have so many memories of seeing those commercials. Those commercials, commercials, even as a kid, I was like, there was something about Furbies that made me be like, do not want, please don't bring, like, <laughs> do not. please no thank you. <laughs> like, I was so, I thought they were so creepy, but for some reason I was compelled to include them. I love it. <laughs> 
Do you, okay, speaking of commercials, real quick. Mm-hmm. So when we were kids, do you remember Lucky Charms? And the commercial used to say, hearts, stars, and horseshoes, clovers and blue moons, pots of gold and rainbows, and the red balloons. Now they changed it. Because I was watching, <gasps> it's unicorns and rainbows now. And I'm like, what? hold the phone. Okay, I love myself a unicorn, don't get me wrong. But it's supposed to be pots of gold. Your your mascot yeah, is like an Irish dude. on theme. I literally uh, like, what is wrong with y'all? Y'all changed the so uniforms? Disturbed. For Wait, what? I'm 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 honestly so upset. We're gonna need to take a commercial break yeah. and we'll be right back. <laughs> we'll be right back. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Hi, I'm Alexis Ohanian. You may know me as one of the co-founders of Reddit, but more recently, a large part of my identity is being a father to my wonderful daughters. In my podcast, Business Dad, I hope to open the conversation about working parents a bit. You'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads, from Rain Wilson and Guy Raz to Todd Carmichael and Shane Battier, to find out how they balance being a dad with a successful career. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. All right. Um, well, we are now uh, actively in a boycott of Lucky Charms until they return to their rightful theme. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we have a petition.org. It's crazy you bring up commercials, Leticia, because I... My thesis today is going to be that in the 90s, commercials raised us. And I want to talk specifically about like beauty and fashion commercials that were lunacy. And <laughs> I think another thing for Gen Z to understand, um, in addition to the everyday with a horror film, mm-hmm, commercials mm-hmm. would run for a hundred years. Like yeah. you wouldn't just see a commercial for a season. You would see it for, I'm not kidding, five or six years. Yeah. So mm-hmm. these really would imprint on you in a big way. And some of the overall points I want to make is what what is being targeted to anyone? What 
age is anyone supposed to be that are in these ads that are being targeted to what's going on? It's like everything was like for kids, but adultish. Very weird use of celebrity. Um, but the first one I want to watch is Nagzima. <laughs> and this is Rebecca Gayhart. Hi, it's me. We're meeting at 1030. And guess what? Kevin's going to be there. Your face is the first thing people see when they meet you. So why use anything but Noxzema? It's better than soap. Better for your face. It dissolves oil without over drying. Soap doesn't. Noxzema. Every time you wash, every day. You will have your face all your life. Take care of it for healthy looking skin. Your face belongs to Noxzema. So your face belongs to Noxzema. Let's keep that in mind. Um, so that was Rebecca Gayhart who became known as the Noxzema girl because this mm-hmm. was basically like a little sitcom that we just watched. Um, how old is this character is my question because she clearly passes a little brother. So it's like she lives mm-hmm. at home, but then she goes and meets a guy with a moped. And <laughs> I still don't really understand what that Noxzema product <laughs> is because it seems to be a mask that she's putting on, but it's advertising itself as soap. <laughs> well, because that's what it was in the nineties. Though it wasn't, we weren't doing face masks no, no, in the nineties. No, not really. We were just doing like scrubs. I guess that's what it was. But like, I I remember finding it perplexing, and I still don't know what that exact product is. <laughs> what like who? What age person is supposed to buy Noxzema now? A teenager, I guess. I think now so. we're in the nineties. Who was this being targeted to? And this was early. This was like ninety one. But I promise you, this hit the airwaves in ninety seven. I promise you, this was on six years. <laughs> I feel like I have seen that commercial. So um, yes, and you were a baby. I, I, like, I feel like they're they're going for probably like fifteen to eighteen. Right. I know that's a really small like group, but because she had the little brother, and because then she got on a moped, which like if you're like fourteen and thirteen, you're not getting on a moped with people because you're like you're a teen, but you're like still like a child in my opinion. So like, I I feel like they were really specifically going for like that fifteen to eighteen. And Rebecca is like. What show was she on? Um, well, she would later go on to be on both Sequest and 90210 as Dylan's wife, Tony, mm-hmm. who gets, spoiler alert, uh, gets murdered. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, she was just one of these 90s celebs that, like, she doesn't really have, like, an iconic role. She just is Rebecca Gayhart. And, like, everything. this yeah. Noxzema was, like, I feel it. like she's pretty... Pretty iconic in urban legends. Uh, don't get me wrong. She's been a part of a lot of iconic things, but I don't know if her part in any of them is exactly what you think of. But would I love to meet her and, and you know, work with her and, you know, retire together? Yeah, obviously. But I don't know. This one is just, it's so iconic. And uh, I believe it's still running. <laughs> yeah. So it's still I, running. At least <laughs> in some markets, at least. Okay. So the next one I want to talk to is so iconic. This is Herbal Essences. Stop by aisle five for Clairol's Herbal Essences. It takes you where no shampoo is gone before. With all natural botanicals and organic herbs and pure mountain water, it will leave your hair looking beautiful. Yes! If you think that's great, try the body wash. (laughs) Clairol's Herbal Essences, a totally organic experience. I remember this okay, commercial. So that was uh, one of many in the Herbal Essences orgasm campaign where using using a shampoo will give you an orgasm. Um, <laughs> well, and that was before the word organic was used every day. Correct. So 
True. Yes, it was it was really a big deal that they had like plants on the mm-hmm. on the packaging. <laughs> um a few things. It starts in a grocery store. Like I love in the 90s they have to walk us through how to buy soap mm-hmm. and stuff. Like we know where to go. Like this is insane. <laughs> and then she has the orgasm in the shower but also in the grocery store. Then Dr. Ruth, who was a sort of sex therapist personality at the time, comes along, <laughs> apropos of absolutely nothing. So many things happen in that 30 seconds. She Again, my question is that, okay, that actress is playing older to market to a younger audience. Am I wrong? Because middle schoolers had herbal essences like no one else. Yeah. They were the big market. And I think that actress is early 20s. She's playing 30 (laughs) and selling to (laughs) 12-year-olds. I don't think that was what Herbal Essence wanted. I think Herbal Essence was courting an older crowd, but they didn't catch them. They caught... It didn't work. And there was something about... Because I remember, like, girls that, like, had their own bathroom. I would go to their house and I would see this. I'd be like, wow. Girls that get to pick out their own shampoo are picking out herbal essences. Herbal essences. Interesting. And that wasn't the life I was living at that time, but I was like, good to know. <laughs> of note, though, in my biography, my first ever paid writing gig was writing commercials for herbal essences. Back to work. Wow. I do think, I like, I, as a kid, I always wanted herbal essences because I thought they were funny. Yes, yes. Like, I was like, it's the funny (laughs) shampoo. And it still had that beautiful bottle, which, as of, like, two years ago, there's a Dwayne Reed in Soho that for some reason still has those old bottles. (laughs) (laughs) They probably burn your hair off now, but... Just so you know, I can tell you where they are. DM me. All right. So the next one we have is Maybelline and these iconic ads with Sarah Michelle Gellar. Want to see my life? It's all in here somewhere. At least now, I've got the makeup thing together. New Express Makeup 3-in-1 from Maybelline. One lightweight stick that does three things quick. It glides on liquid smooth, dots on to conceal, finishes powder light for a no-fuss natural look. You can toss it in your bag along with the rest of your life. New Express Makeup 3-in-1 from Maybelline. It's makeup made easy. Maybe it's Maybelline. So Sarah Michelle Gellar did about 100 ads for Maybelline. This one is funny to me because she's like 20 and she's like acting like I've got my busy. Like I didn't have a purse full of stuff till I was like 32 years old. Like you just don't have a lot of stuff when you're little. Like I remember coveting like people that had a lot of keys. I'm like, how do you have so many keys? (laughs) That's so cool. That's so adult. And like she... Maybelline, I consider kind of like an adult makeup brand. I mean, teens use it, absolutely. But like, it's not like just for teens. But she was very young representing this. It's just, again, it's like all age is flattened out. Yes. I have a theory, though. I think the theory is that she would have crossover appeal because our moms knew her from the soaps. From soaps, yes. And what's Uh, interesting is it is Maybelline New York and all of her ads are in New York. Not in LA where she was shooting Buffy, but Mm -hmm. in the New York branding of things. And of course, we all know about SMG. Something she loves about herself is that she's from New York. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. So that wasn't a hard sell. Now, I don't remember exactly this product, the three-in-one. I promise you it doesn't work. That is an (laughs) overpromise. Like, it can just do everything. And it's like a stick. Like, there was a big moment in makeup where it's like, everything could be a stick. And it's like, no, <laughs> not everything can. Like, it's okay. But I think you're right. There's definitely an all my children undercurrent here. 
mm-hmm. and we love it. And again, it's all things, all times. Um, the next two are truly insane. So buckle up. This one is for Sears. Aguilera's 2000 Concert Tour is proudly being sponsored by Sears and Levi's. So come on over to Sears. The good life at a great price. Guaranteed. Mm-hmm. So we're seeing dancers. We're seeing fabric. We're seeing the Sears logo. So this is the long <laughs> okay. 90s. This is including the year 2000. But so this was a ad for Sears, but also for Christina Aguilera. They're sponsoring her tour. They had a lot of dancers and people hanging out wearing Sears clothes. I really cannot emphasize enough, Christina Aguilera had her own shape, and it was that weird circle, and she would use it all the time. I can't explain it. Now, Sears, I don't, I remember the Sears catalog from when I was young, young, mm-hmm. and I shopped at Sears sometimes. Certainly wasn't too good for it, though, of course, in the pilot episode of Buffy, uh, we do have Cordelia say to Willow, someone's seen the softer side of Sears, and that is a diss, but... You know, mm-hmm, Sears mm-hmm. was okay. Sears tried harder for longer than people remember because, I will say this, the Kardashians first had their first clothing line at Sears, and it just ended in 2015, folks, the Kardashian collection. But that was a lot of chaos, and I don't know what to say about Sears, a place that would sell tools but also wanted to sponsor Christina Aguilera's tour, and they succeeded. I don't know. Okay. What okay. I remember yeah. about Sears was like, I think Sears was the place where literally you could get everything. They had yes. like prom stuff there. I remember. Absolutely. Um, we got our like family's like Christmas and holiday pictures done there. Yes. And then like also we would get like tires. Like if my mom had like yeah. a flat tire, mm-hmm. like she would be like, okay, we'll just bring it to Sears and they'll like replace it. They had like an auto like depot at like Sears they, literally had everything. Yes. They really had everything. And that was always what counted against their clothing because people thought their clothing couldn't be good. And not that their clothing was amazing, but, you know, there's stuff everywhere. I will say, I will say, I bought a dress for my eighth grade formal at Sears. Thank you. And I (laughs) wore it well into my deep 20s. There's some stuff from that era that really lasted. I I mean, Sears, I would go into. And like JCPenney, I'll go to bat for any day. All right. But then the final one. Speaking of clothing, speaking of advertising, there is none above in the 90s. A store that was new to us back then that we were like, this is revolutionizing the way we dress, and it is called Old Navy. It's a very magic holiday special. Magic, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to be here. This year, it's fleece for me. It's the Smothers Brothers. Hi, everybody. Hey, Tom and Dick. She's wearing fleece. I'm wearing fleece. What do you think? Fabulous, this fleece. It feels like a gift. Just a thought. Loose, layered, fun. Am I loose, layered, and fun? <laughs> Happy holidays, everyone. Performance, please. What a value. 
Okay. okay. Just absolute okay. chaos. Um, they basically <laughs> created a variety show that was just an ad for something they called performance fleece, which I owned multiple items of. It was just the cheapest fleece possible. But mm-hmm. we loved it. There's something about the 90s that the, the kids can't understand is we really did a best of the whole century. Like, we were willing to celebrate the Smothers Brothers. Like, were the Smothers Brothers 90s icons? Not whatsoever. I cannot emphasize enough they were not. They were from the 60s. But again, talking about Nickelodeon, some of us knew them from Nick at Night. So we were like, yes, okay, we will buy track pants from the Smothers Brothers. Magic the dog. You may have heard them say magic. Magic is a character that is a dog in the Old Navy universe. Um Old Navy just came in and we were like, we're going to pull your asses into the aughts, okay? We're going to be insane. Um, this is what life is going to look like now. And I, I, I mean, like, I thought, like, Old Navy was nice. And, like, frankly, I am wearing Old Navy jeans right now. So I guess I've never mm-hmm. changed. But I still don't understand what the name means. I... <laughs> uh, you know what? It was kind of the anti-seers, though, I have to say, because everything at Old Navy not all locations but back then mm-hmm. pretty much like oh you're looking at orange vest well here they all are in a row in different sizes yep. sears and stuff was like chaotic it would be like <laughs> here's one vest we have like this here's another jacket here's three things that we only offer in different like we only have size seven of this entire jeans no one of the, that doesn't wear that can ever wear it um it, like that's how shopping used to be in Old Navy. Actually, as much mm-hmm. as its advertising was chaotic, the experience of shopping there was more normal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the dupe when they did the hustle in the Old Navy commercials? This yes. probably was uh-huh. like in the 2000s, not in the 90s. Um, I remember that because I remember like I would make my friends like do the commercial with me. Like anytime I came on, I'd be like, get up. Like we would all have to do the hustle. And of course, now they have RuPaul. Like, well, they had RuPaul last year for the holiday. Um, ads. Yeah. They also, I think Old Navy might have been where I learned about RuPaul because I remember having an Old Navy like workout CD. Yes. And RuPaul oh. was on it. And I liked that song. And it, I, I'm pretty sure that was my entry point for RuPaul and learning about Yes. Oh my gosh. They actually, you're absolutely 100% right. Do you, okay. So not like Gen Z people will not know this, but mm-hmm. like the stores used to sell CD, like, and it was like the songs they would play, yeah. like, during that season, they would sell CDs of that music. And you're a thousand percent right. I, didn't they have you better work? Turn yeah. to the left, work. Now mm-hmm. turn to the right. And it was, yep. and it was on like a old Navy, like, sweats it out or something. Yep, yep. And like, you could get it for cheap if you were buying workout clothes <laughs> or something. Yes. So I think I was getting like athletic, I was getting like, clothes for camp or something yeah and talked to my mom into buying me that cd and i listened to that that work song constantly, constantly. it's amazing and all navy was clutch with their like they were the place like i would go to to get my fourth of july stuff because i remember they always had mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the red mm-hmm. white and blue shirts with the flags and you would get so excited to like go like get your fourth of july stuff and match your friends like and halloween I- actually like every like little or holiday they yeah. have a lot of stuff well, and you better not be showing up to school if you didn't have Old Navy flip-flops. You had to have Old Navy flip-flops. You still your have flip-flops. to have them, in my opinion. Old Navy flip-flops and Old Navy uh, pajama bottoms. Yeah. Yep. Yes, 
they created an aesthetic for an entire type of high school girl. <laughs> <laughs> and and it was like, and it was even more specific in Oklahoma because in Oklahoma, you had to have the old Navy flip flops, the old Navy flannel bottoms, but then like a t-shirt from this place in Stillwater called Stillwater Joe's or Eskimo Joe's, which was like a restaurant. And it was like such a specific look. <laughs> I absolutely love that. And if you were really one of the cool kids, you would get fabric that you would cut and then tie it around the plastic part of the flip flops. Oh, so your flip flops were covered in gosh, fabric. Gosh, that is that's actually too cool. I'd be that actually is too cool. That is too cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was something I saw. I other love people that. Do. Yeah. Well, so Caitlin, what after going down this yes, rabbit hole of all these you. commercials, like what was your takeaway today when you were? watching them all you know it's just that there was such like i feel like and maybe this is a crazy thing to say in 2021 but like i feel like it just like life came at us fast it was like we were a kid <laughs> and then one day they're like well you better wash your damn face put on the three in one and get some performance fleece kid because you got to be fashion today it just felt like all of a sudden it's like oh i guess uh i gotta have an orgasm in a grocery store you <laughs> Just like, um, I, you know, I think this has probably continued. I'm just not as aware of it because I'm not a kid. Mm -hmm. But like this strange way that we'd like say, you know, particularly to to girls, but to every gender, really, like, come with us to the to the beauty standards. You must come with us. Uh, it's it's quite dark, and again, it's a horror film. Mm -hmm. It is a horror mm -hmm. film, and like. I remember, like, Axe was huge. Like, that's when Axe yes. like, first came out. Great point. And, On the guy and side. Like, that's, that's the guy side equivalent. Like, if you didn't have Axe, you were, like, you had to cut it. Yeah. And so, like, all the dudes, I remember in, like, sixth grade would overspray themselves. And mm -hmm. we went on, like, a sleep. We went on, like, a week-long trip at my school. Yeah. To this place called Nature's Classroom. And, like, all the dudes brought their, um, their spray and, like, oh, no. I remember, like, the bugs started coming into the cabins because, like, the dudes would, like, overly spray themselves with it. No. I will, and I'll never, I'm never going to forget the smell. Yes, there's such a link between acts and herbal essences to what Brickman said earlier of, like, the axe thing was, like, a little bit of a wink. It was, like, a sense of humor. Everyone understood that it was kind of a joke, but at the same time, it wasn't because you had it. Right? Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Wow. Well, thank you for, for going on this journey with me. I know it was no. unsettling, uh, scary at times. <laughs> Uh, but please buy uh, Noxzema Herbal Essences, Maybelline, Sears, and Old Bay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's one thing that you can always count on here, folks, and it's that we support big brands. We love brands. Big brands. Huge corporations. <laughs> they need help. <laughs> now, perhaps more than ever. All right. I think it's time we play another game. Um, yeah. Leticia, we're going to play an installment of our ongoing series, Pitch Fire, where we have our guest pitch shows and movies now this one is a very special version because it's called coming of grays so oh. Grey's anatomy characters <laughs> might be any age 26 45 87 who can say no one also what year is it on grays at any time we don't know uh not our business first of all but what if characters on grays got a carrie diaries-esque spinoff so we see their teen or preteen years all right i'm gonna ask you to assume all of these characters were born in 1987 so they're <laughs> growing up in the 90s because again we don't know that could be true because we literally have no idea um so i'm gonna ask you what their coming of age show would look like 
do you accept the assignment? I accept. I accept. All right. We're going to start with no small feet. Christina Yang's Yay. coming of age story in the 90s. Here it is. What is it, Letitia? What does it look okay. like? Okay. So Christina Yang in the 90s was the girl who surprisingly was incredibly popular. She was really, really popular. And so, mm-hmm. like, in, in when she was, like, seven years old, I'm going to go back to second grade because why not? When she was seven years old, like, all the girls would come to her for advice because she just, she knew what was up. She was able to clock everyone. And also, like, the teachers respected her. So, like, if they knew, like, if they came to Christina with problems, like, that they wouldn't get hounded on. But if they were to cause, like, trouble by themselves... Christina would be the one to like help them out of that situation. So I think that led into her popularity in her preteens. And then of course in her high school years, I think that she, her favorite show, man, 87, her favorite show probably was, she liked the OC. She was a fan of the OC. She, she did not like one tree Hill. Wow. Wow. Yeah. She doesn't like the small townness of it. No, no. She liked Mm. the OC. um, Cause it was, it was high stakes. (laughs) Um, it was high stakes and lots of money, but also like hard workers. Cause you know, you had Sandy Cohen on there. So mm-hmm. that was her favorite show that <laughs> she liked to gab about. Who's now on Grace. Who's now on Grace. <laughs> Peter Gallagher. Um, and she admired that like hard work ethic, but because of like her openness and her ability to clock things, that's what made her really, really popular. While she did not run, win homecoming queen, she was on the court oh. in high school. Which is cool. She was on the court. Way. It is cooler mm-hmm. in a way. Um, and, and that year, I think there, there might be like some drama, uh, in that year because what happened was like, she was supposed to win, but she rigged the votes for the other person <gasps> to win because she was like, I love that. You know, she was that kind mm-hmm. of person. I love that. And I would say like things sort of switched when she got to college because you know how, like, if you go to like a private school, which she went to, she went to mm-hmm, a small mm-hmm. private school and like at the small private school, she was like incredibly popular, well-liked, everyone's friend. And then when she went to college, because she went to a big school, she kind of felt like lost. And that's wow. when she like really was like, okay, I'm diving in. I'm going to, you know what? I'm diving in. I'm going to be like hardcore focused. Um, but yeah, to me, that is what happens in in, in Yang's 90s. Wow. Amazing, wow, wow. amazing. All right. That, I, mean, I want to see it. That's a winner. What about Callie Torres? What do we have? Callie. I'm going to make up where she's from, even though on the show they obviously say where she's from. But I'm going to say Callie's actually from North Carolina. <laughs> okay. Um, and her family is actually incredibly religious. So think of like a Seventh Heaven style <gasps> show, um, but with Callie Torres, with I'm young Callie Torres. So, um, you know a big ish family, you know, she doesn't have five siblings, but she has, she has like a uh, older sister and a younger brother. And, um, her, her <laughs> father is, is he's not the reverend. He's like the associate reverend at a church. Ooh. And so because of that, like that's where she like began like repressing herself and her like fullness because like her, she, she didn't want to disappoint her dad, you know? So mm-hmm. that's always Boy. something that's like a side plot in her in her story um and and because of that she 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 again unlike yang was not very popular because she always sort of kept to herself she didn't want to she didn't want to like prematurely out herself so she she mm-hmm. was kind of quiet mm. she didn't go to homecoming at all um she she went to prom but like with a group of people 
And it was like the group of people who all like didn't have dates because she just didn't want, she didn't feel comfortable like fake asking some guy or having some guy like Mm -hmm. ask her. For her, she wasn't as into movies as she was into music because music was a way for her to escape. Yeah. Yeah. We saw that when she lived in the hospital. Um, All right. Now, this is changing his age greatly, but what about Richard Weber? A version of Richard Weber that's (laughs) born in 1987. Wow. Nearly 30 years after he was actually born. All right. So Weber, um, as a kid, I'm going to say that, like, he was really actually into sports. Yeah. Um, Super Mm. into, like, the 76ers. super Super into, like, the Michael Jordan. Space Jam was his favorite movie. Yes. Wow, wow. Not just Rachel Bloom's favorite movie, but also his favorite movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he, w- he was really into it. And he actually believed uh, in the movie Like Mike, when like when uh, Bow Wow put those sneakers on, mm-hmm. uh, th- this is his entire series. It's going to be inspired by Like Mike because he actually puts like different articles of clothing on and those, and then he will change into a different person. So Whereas wow. in like Mike, whereas in like Mike, Bow Wow put the sneakers on and changed into uh, bas- basketball players mm-hmm, that are mm-hmm. really good. Richard Weber puts on other articles of clothing, so he might put on a tie uh, wow. and, and turn into. Let's say he, let, I don't know who, who's like a cool person who wears ties. I don't know. He puts on a tie and turns into like I don't know what cool person in the '90s like was always wearing ties. Uh, George Stephanopoulos. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so cool. So cool. The coolest so guy. Cool. <laughs> that's I that's his um that's his series. I love this jock nerd we got. All right. So our, our next our next fella is Mark Sloan. Ugh. Mark Sloan. Teenage Mark Sloan. Coming of age Mark Sloan. What are we seeing? Mark Sloan. Okay. Well, obviously we know Mark Sloan is incredibly attractive. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah. So so uh the young Mark Sloan was the type of guy who he pulled the she's all that. <gasps> That's the Mark Sloan story. He pulled the she's all that. He would date the girls that like weren't super hot and popular because he was like, I'm going to have this girl on my arm. And then she like, then she's going to run the world. So he helped like, he helped people have a self-esteem boost. And he, he actually did it for men as well. Not just women. He, 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 he floated around because Love he was that. like, I'm going to, I'm going to uplift and, and be of service with my ridiculous. <laughs> I love good that. Books. I love that so much. Wow. I want to watch all of these shows. <laughs> yeah. These are all greenlit. And finally, <laughs> what about the one and only Meredith Grey? Meredith mm. Grey. Wow. You have to legally sing her name like that. It's in her contract. Meredith Grey. So Meredith Grey, um, she. <laughs> Wow, now that I sang Meredith Grey, let's give her a musical television <gasps> show. Let's do it. Let's Psycho. do Meredith let's do Meredith Grey. Um while well, Glee came out in 2009, let's give her a 90s mm-hmm. version of that. Why not? Let's wow. do it. Let's do it. Let's have the theme song for the Meredith Grey show be similar to Clarissa. Uh-huh. Okay. Let's have it be like that and she she talks to to the camera in in her show. Oh, oh, okay. Yes, okay. She's okay. It. She's the narrator always. You know, not just now, okay. but she was the narrator in the nineties as well. So she wow, talks wow, to wow. the audience and sort of gives us that. She Clarissa does like vibe. the Zach Morris timeout. Yeah. Say what? That's that's Meredith, and she's always giving wow. her takes and opinions. 
there's a lot going on in this show because there's also mm-hmm. it's also a musical. Um, right. So, <laughs> don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. It's also a musical. They they typically are singing about the mundane things that you normally don't sing about. Like where in Glee mm. they sing about like, oh, like I'm in love with like my teacher. No. And in Meredith Grey's world, they're singing about like, oh, I got a peanut butter jelly sandwich today for lunch. What? Wow. Trade with me. Trade with this me is... because I, that's the Meredith Grey. This feels so wow. real because it feels like when I think about the pilot of Grey's Anatomy, I can see this being us seeing Meredith again for the first time since we've seen her since her musical adolescence show where she talks to the audience. Yeah. It, it, it feels right. It, it feels right. It, it feels right. Wow! Wow! Well, Well, that was coming of grace. These are all greenlit. Each one a perfect (laughs) show. Well, we we actually have ABC on the line. They they've already heard your ideas and they're (laughs) ready to sign a deal. So we're gonna take a quick break. Let Letitia look over these contracts, and we'll be back with one final thesis. All right, the ink hasn't even dried on the contracts, but we are diving back into the show. And before I get into my thesis today, I have an important question to ask both of you. And that is, do either of you know what Reese Witherspoon's first movie was? Yes. It was not, was it, it wasn't election, was it? No. All right. I'm going to. I'm going to see if this jogs your memory, Letitia. I've got the trailer from Reese Witherspoon's first film, and I'll talk about why I'm sharing it on the other side. (laughs) Get ready. Here we go. Remember when you couldn't wait for your life to begin? And then, one day, it did. Well, mama, she done told me. Papa done told me, too. Who the hell do you think you are? This is the foster place. So if your name isn't foster... Well, it just so happens that it is. Corey, come on down here. Let Matt and Abby get a look at you. They hadn't seen you since you was in diapers. All right. So does that jog any memories for you? I've never seen or heard of this movie. (sighs) That's exactly what I was afraid of. And that is why today... I thought it was my responsibility to talk about this film that I feel like is not remembered nearly enough and for me is really the epitome of coming of age dramas. This is this movie it came out in 1991. I did not watch it obviously when it first came out. Uh but I discovered it pretty young and it's called The Man in the Moon and it was the final film directed by Robert Mulligan and it was Reese Witherspoon's first film but the cast is absolutely iconic. It has not only Reese but it's got Sam Watterson, it's got Tess Harper and it's got Jason London in his prime. Now, Caitlin, you're smiling. You you remember this movie? I do remember this movie. I remember the the room where I saw this movie. I saw this movie probably like mm-hmm. 1998, 1999 on a home video. Yeah. Uh, at a friend's house. Uh it it is one of those weird things where it's like the triple nostalgia of it all. Like you I remember being young seeing it, mm-hmm. but it already was about the 50s. Like it's it's there's a lot going on. Yes, it is complicated. So you maybe could tell by the old-timey music, but this film, though made in in the 90s and premiered in 1991, it takes place in the summer of 1957, which I guess 
We've always liked to set coming-of-age stories at a safe distance, I feel like. But particularly in the 90s, we were obsessed with the 50s and 60s, I feel like. And so me coming of age, a lot of the representation I was watching of people coming of age was from this, like, romanticized version of the past, Mm -hmm. uh, which was very interesting. But in this film... Uh, Reese Witherspoon plays this 14-year-old girl named Danny, who's a tomboy, and we follow Danny on her, like, journey of her first crush, uh, played by Jason London. He's Court Foster, who's from, who's living next door, and she goes from, like, bickering with him and 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 her parents forced them to be together to like being in love with him and trying to get her for and getting her first kiss from him but then this is the tragedy of the story he's like you're too young i'm 17 you're 14 and he is right he right? is too old for her she is 14 he is not incorrect but the whole movie you're like rooting with this little girl being like no he should love you you're perfect for each other but the heartbreaking part of this movie is he meets her sister who is his age and falls in love with her sister But then the tragedy doesn't end there. Oh, no. He dies in a horrible, horrible tractor incident. So this whole movie, you're watching this 14-year-old girl fall in love for the first time. She gets her heart broken, not only when the object of her affection chooses her older sister, but then again, when he savagely and horribly is murdered by his own tractor. And this is the movie I probably most associate with coming of age. (laughs) Wow. So thoughts. I'm seeing a lot on your face. Before I move on, initial thoughts, reactions to hearing all of this. This is why 90s kids, we are traumatized because literally mm-hmm. i'm getting mm-hmm. i'm getting like some fragments of of, of mm-hmm. stand by me which we all yes. know how that movie turned out and then i'm also getting fragments of a walk to remember do you remember mm-hmm. that movie of course and so for me i'm like what is it with these movies where like someone has to tragically die in the end mm-hmm. and then also like the the like girl who's like a tomboy that seems to be a thing mm-hmm. too because what was that movie with like uh, Christina Ricci and like, now and then now and then I used to love that yeah. movie now and then and mm-hmm. so they're giving me that vibe we're like they all yeah. were kind of like ha ha mm-hmm. ha like we're free we're like we don't care and then all of a sudden they were like JK like we're in love with you and I want to just point out that this movie came out in 1991 the same year that my girl came out where we uh... killed with bee stings so the 90s were really coming for us hard and fast. Uh, like you said, Caitlin, with the commercials, they were coming in hot and heavy. And the thing about this movie in particular, I rewatched it not long ago, actually, and it still makes me cry. But there were so many things like, number one, like a young girl lead like Reese Witherspoon this is her movie like it's her story and so I was obsessed with that part but two it's like I I do the reason I think of this movie when and coming of age together is because she really is like figuring it out how to grow up in a in a way that's like I don't know it's not they're not at school you mm-hmm. know, like a lot of a lot of these movies are centered around like school. And this is very much centered around like home and family. And like it's intimate. It's like so it's really, really intimate. And it's like only a handful of characters. And like you see this girl in only a handful of scenarios, which I was always like really interested. I um, but if I'm being really honest with myself, I think the real reason I love this movie is because I was a London brother, Stan. <laughs> and, you know, Jason London 
some may say that Jason was the um, fancier of the London brothers because after this, he went on to do things like Dazed and Confused, Tales from the Crypt, uh, To Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. Like, uh, he ended up on doing all sorts of things. Um, But let us not forget that his brother, Jeremy London, was over there doing things like Mall Rats, Party of Five. So in the 90s, these two men were everywhere and they were helped a big part of my coming of age because I was so interested in always consuming any media they were in. I was before we had the word Stan, I was standing them. And if, if little Lauren in the nineties, if little (laughs) Lauren knew that in the year 2021, that not only would these two men not be particularly famous that they would actually mm-hmm. barely be remembered and and oftentimes what they do get remembered for is the fact that poor jeremy ended up on celebrity rehab with dr drew oh, no. like yeah like it was not the hollywood happy ending that we were all expecting for the london brothers um i never got a proposal from them and they never quite hit the heights that we thought they would and if that doesn't summarize being a child of the 90s i don't know what does (laughs) (laughs) so true so thoughts i don't know like for you all like when you think of like seminal coming of age movies like this is one that like i tried hard not to i was like think of something other than this movie and i was like i absolutely can't stop thinking about this movie it's gonna happen are there movies for you that you're like that that's a coming of age movie that was my blueprint for what it means to be growing up well why are they all taking place in other time periods like my girl and Mm -hmm. crooklyn remember crooklyn spike lee's Brooklyn movie about a, mm-hmm. a younger a family, but a, the protagonist is a girl, and it's like why that was in the seventies? Why? Yeah, <laughs> why couldn't we make anything about the nineties? <laughs> Nothing was about the nineties in the nineties, and uh, another movie, uh, The Sandlot. That was my mm-hmm. that was my freaking movie. I was obsessed with it. Uh, not only like did I watch it at home, but like in our after school program, like if if it was raining, the after school like proctor named Mr. Mike, I loved him. Mm-hmm. Shout out. He would always say like, "Do you guys want to watch this cartoon or y'all want to watch the Sandlot?" And we'd be like, "The Sandlot!" Absolutely. I, I, it's really it's really interesting to me too. Like when I think back on a lot of those like movies with like young like adolescent like preteen like preteens especially Mm -hmm. a lot of those characters were like their storylines were dealing with like grief and loss a lot of the times and it's kind of on one hand i'm like it's kind of cool because i guess it was giving people like space to process those things and have and realize that like those are things that kids have to go through and think about and and i don't know if i don't i also don't know if it's because like when some of these movies were coming out like I was thinking about it because like, you know, I I look at like the years that some of these movies came out and I'm like, oh, like pop passed away. Like, was I thinking about this Mm -hmm, stuff? I don't mm -hmm. know. But like, yeah, I just have so many movies that I'm like that I think of that I associate with watching as a young kid that deal with grief. Yeah. And then the other theme that I saw that I was like so many of my 90s like movies that I love. I was obsessed with movies that were dealing with divorce themes. Hmm. But my my parents were going through divorce, but I feel like in the 90s, divorce storylines. One movie that I like don't, again, I don't know why I loved this movie so much. 
it was not part of my experience. I like my parents are still married and everything, but the movie Bye Bye Love, which follows like three different it centers around the male figures, but it's like three different guys that are going through divorces that have like different relationships with their ex-partners. And but they also very much focus on the children too. It's like the dads and the kids. And I feel like in the 90s there was so much like um there was also that movie where like the kids of divorce like locked their parents in the basement. There was the what like yes. there were so <laughs> many there were it was with Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. Um but like there was like divorce and grief were like the two big <laughs> storylines I felt like in the nineties. I don't know. That's true. Do you remember Billboard Dad? Okay, I, these movies probably came yeah. out like at the top of the two thousands. But all of the Mary Kay and Ashley movies, for example, um, yeah, all sort of had that like underlying theme. While they were super fun, there was always some sort of like really crappy thing that happened to these two before. They take off on their adventure in Paris or wherever they went, Holiday in the Sun. And maybe it's because, like, people just knew, like, you know, divorce is, you know, 50% of marriages in yeah. divorce or whatever. And so maybe that was, like, a time when, like, people were more vocal about it and less, like, trying yeah. to hide it or, you know, uh, just staying in the relationship unhappy uh, and, and yeah. not fulfilled. So they wanted to, like, give the 90, us 90s kids, like, that that picture Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like we didn't have we didn't have a lot of movies that were like just pure like this is bliss, this is joy. Like there was always something incredibly tragic going on. I mean, <laughs> the Titanic number one movie, you know, until Avatar came out, uh, was the epitome of 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 nineties films. It's strange. There's a movie that I'm trying to like. If any listener can remember what the name of this movie is or like please tell me because i think it was maybe made for tv but it was in the 90s and it was the story of like a girl like she's probably 12 or 13 and she was the protagonist and like that was the whole thing is like her parents were divorced and then her parents like kept like having one kid with a partner and then like getting divorced and so basically it's like she doesn't feel like her family has like a unit she has like a lot of individual relationships and in fact Mm -hmm. her dad has a girlfriend who's pregnant again and she's like ah and she just needs to like and like she runs away to like a camp and basically like the story is like they're like but you're loved and we all love each other and like yeah it's unconventional but it's okay Mm -hmm. um and i can see the girlfriend her dad's wait no wait wait that wasn't a made for tv movie Oh my god! Wait, I'm gonna get there. Because the, okay, wait. I, the dad's yeah. girlfriend has like fire red hair, and she's mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it was like the coolest, hottest hair at that time was to have that strawberry blonde, like but like electric hair. I think I'm gonna find our way to the name of it because if I remember correctly, the guy who plays um, the son in Birdcage is also in that he movie. He could be, yes. And so I think we're gonna find our way there. From oh, his name is Dave Dan Futterman. Dan I'm gonna look at yes. Dan Futterman's. I'm playing. This is real life detective work happening. I'm like so nervous. <laughs> this is real detective. Okay, I'm gonna be so excited if we can find this film. We're going to because I was trying to think of it earlier too because I. Earlier this summer when we did our Home on the Road episode, I talked about my love for Indian Summer. And Indian Summer and this movie that you're talking about, it's... Yes, way. Lauren! It's, it's, it's it, bigger than... Don't, don't cry, they get even! It. Oh my gosh. We found it. I found am it. so excited. Yes, she like runs away. This poster is giving me everything. It's the like, poster. there's too many kids and too many parents. And I don't like it. <laughs> I need to leave. Mm-hmm. I must mm-hmm. leave. Bigger don't cry, yeah. they get even. I can't believe this was ever released in theaters. 
The story of this movie is Laura's parents get divorced when she's eight. Now she's 13, lives with her mother, her stepfather, two stepbrothers, a stepsister, right and a half-brother. How right was I? She, she I used to visit anything. her... Yeah. She used to visit her father, stepmother, third stepmother, and half-sister, but now another divorce is in the works. So Laura visits her father and his pregnant girlfriend, who's only six yes. years older than she is, who should feel... Who should she feel loyalty to? That is weird, uh, That part's weird, actually. I don't like that. But, Lauren... <laughs> Scroll down. Look who is in this film. Jenny Lewis. Jenny Lewis, who we started it off talking about. It all comes back to Harry Styles. Wow. It all comes back to Harry Styles. This is too perfect. It all comes back to Harry Styles. Has he seen this movie? I bet. I'm going to guess, yeah, he seems pretty knowledgeable and emotionally available. Wow. Okay, that is weird. I didn't remember the girlfriend was so young. That actually is strange. Yeah, that part's strange. But anyways, no, Big Girls Don't Cry, They Get Even is a film I made my mom rent for me so many times. I rented this movie so many yes, times. Yes, and oh my God, you know who plays the girlfriend is Adrian Shelley, who we've talked about on this podcast previously, the mm-hmm. creator of The Waitress Juggernaut. My yeah. God. All right. I mean, I got to go watch this. Um, <laughs> so, you, I mean... Do we have any final thoughts about coming to the age in the 90s? Yeah. Letitia, as as our guest, as our expert of coming of age with your incredible film that's out there crushing it on the festival circuit right now, any final thoughts about what it meant to grow up, come of age in the 90s or, or yeah? I mean, I feel like, honestly, like, despite it being ridiculously traumatic in many ways, mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. only from the media that we consume, um, yeah. but in general with the world, worldly events and happenings. I'm going to have to say though, like, I think we had a really like exciting upbringing because we went from yeah. an era when like no one really had a computer at home to everyone then yeah. having a computer to then everyone then having uh, phones to then everyone having, uh, you know, remember when like you used to only get like, 20 television channels and then you had to like pay mm-hmm. extra money for like the nick jr and like the noggin the end that was like a thing mm. we grew up in an era where like things were happening and changing really quickly and that was really exciting to like be a part of that and like the aol instant messenger sound you played earlier like for yeah. me that like brings back so many memories like because my my aim name was like crazy person chill with a K not because <laughs> and not even because I was like trying to tell people to like chill, but because like in my summer camp, like our group was called the chillers, my grade. So like we were like oh, the chillers. And so I, I wanted to make my thing like crazy person. I'm a chiller, but that was too long. Cause you can only have mm-hmm. 16 characters and like little things like that. Like I appreciate. Cause I think we were yeah. like the first generation to experience those types of things. And it's really nice. Like looking back on, on those things so while yes incredibly traumatic scary and (laughs) crazy um there's some really cool things about it totally yeah and there's something kind of incredible about the fact that like we couldn't just log in and download whatever we wanted like it took work to find the content you really wanted like and sometimes you had to go to blockbuster week after week before you finally got to see something it's true Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. if they were out and if you were not there because didn't they put movies out on thursday nights like the the staff would put mm-hmm. like the new releases out yeah this is what we, my family learned actually was like yeah we had to go before school because most blockbusters <sighs> open at eight o'clock so if you went before school then you were able to get those movies so if you wait wow. until after school which you know by, by 3 15 everything's gone when wow. school's out at three if you if you get there at five o'clock everything's out you, you're not gonna get it you're not gonna get it 
Well, so, that's a hot tip, and that's a hack. That's a, that's a hack. hack for the year <laughs> so 1998. In the year 2021, we all finally hacked what we should have been doing in 98. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, and while our listeners are building a time machine, Letitia, where, where can our stand stands find you? <laughs> <laughs> I am on uh, everything except for TikTok, which surprisingly is, I know, very strange. But um, I'm on Insta. At mm-hmm. Letitia DiVenuto, which is incredibly hard to spell. Uh, I apologize. Uh, but I'm also on Twitter at the same. And then on Facebook, the same, like Facebook.com slash Letitia DiVenuto. Yeah. Letitia is L-A-T-I-S-H-A. DiVenuto is D-I-V as in Victor, E-N as in Nut, U-T-O. Um, and I'm sorry, I just talk to you like you guys were sales representatives on the phone. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> it, it is hard to distinguish because V sounds like B sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's hard. So, you know. It's hard out there, guys. Wow. You're going to find it. It's hard it. out there. <laughs> and, you know, you can find us at We Stand Social. We're on all the platforms. Uh, and look, follow us on Instagram, and you too can end up having the time of your life listening to traumatic sounds from your childhood. <laughs> <laughs> It's every, like, opening door. It's terrifying. <laughs> All right. Stand, stand. We'll see you on the other side of the 90s. Bye. 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 Talmor is my home. My family have worked the land for generations. My gran says the island does not belong to us, but we belong to the island. And we must be ready, for a great evil is coming. And death follows with it. Listen and subscribe to the latest season of Undertow, The Harrowing, a Storyglass production presented by Realm, available wherever you get your podcasts.